This is Against All Enemies, a show about threats to American democracy. Political violence is on the rise. An alarming percentage of Americans believe they may have to take up arms against their neighbors. Some are already doing so. Every weekday, Against All Enemies highlights the activities of extremist organizations and their enablers. Our goal is to educate, not to alarm. The threats are real. But if we know what we're up against, together we can beat them. It's been a tough week here on Against All Enemies because there's been, let's face it, a lot of bad news. I want to pivot today. We just won a huge victory at the ballot box in Ohio for both democracy and reproductive rights. And this episode is a bit of a victory lap with my good friend, Amanda Weinstein, who co-hosts the Suburban Women Problem podcast. We do get into the weeds a bit and discuss why Republicans across the country just cannot seem to understand why they are getting crushed at the polls. It's a great conversation. I know you'll love it. Thanks. Amanda Weinstein, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, Welcome back from vacation. I I hope you had a, a good break, but we got some stuff to cover. We did. I know. Apparently, all the extremism did not stop just because I went on a rafting trip. Uh, well, I'm glad you're back safe. We we do need to do a virtual high five because issue one went down in flames. Give us the oh, update on huge. that. How did we pull it off? I mean, you, you posted some pictures. I think it, it was you. It might have been um, your husband, Casey, who's a member of uh, the Ohio House of like MAGA trucks flying no to issue one banners give us the quick recap on what issue one was the very short version because i've covered it a bit on this show but then how did this coalition come together issue one was just hugely unpopular issue one wanted to take away majority vote so that the majority of ohioans could not vote to change our constitution could not get a ballot on a ballot measure actually on the ballot and this is despite the majority of ohioans actually being republican that they were trying to take away majority vote, which some Republicans were like, no, nah, we don't want that. Yeah, it went down in flames. Ohioans pulled together to defeat it. But it doesn't seem like the Republican dominated state legislature is getting the message. Certainly around the country, they're not getting the message. I don't know if this is just innate to extremism when you lose. The assumption is it it's because you weren't extreme enough. What is what is going on in terms of the the signal Ohio sent and the inability of MAGA world to receive it? This is interesting because even with issue one, we had 57% voted no, and they had their best shot ever at a low turnout August election. They knew they would get their highest percentage, and even then they could only get 43%. And that day, you saw Republicans saying, well, we'll try again, right? We'll try to do this again, despite getting very clear evidence that the majority of the population was not with them. They continue to do very extremist things, say, and doubling down when they're getting a very clear message that the majority of the population is not with them. But they know that. The truth is the Republicans who are in office, who are really running the show, they know very well the majority of the population is not with them. So what they are going to do is try to change the rules so that the majority cannot decide 
who their representatives are, who their legislators are, what the laws are. They are doing everything that they can to change that, which is essentially what issue one is and what they're doing across the country. Can you point to other states that we should be looking at as well? Obviously, this is going to keep coming back up in Ohio, but Virginia has those off-year uh, off elections or off-cycle elections. I'm not sure what to call them. They don't do them on the even numbers. That's right around the corner, and women's reproductive rights are very much on the ballot. And to your point, the Republicans are not listening. Absolutely not. We know the majority of Americans want reproductive freedom for women. And despite that, we see Republicans in basically every state doing whatever they can to restrict reproductive freedoms, despite getting a very clear messages in places like Kansas, in places like Kentucky, in places like Michigan and Ohio, that look, you don't have the majority with you. And we even see things like book bans, even at the very local level. We know that 75% of people oppose book banning, and yet we see Georgia actually firing a school teacher over a book she read. Right. You're an economist. You study social movements. Why are they doing this? Oh, that's a great question. So a lot of, I mean, I would love to get in their head and know exactly why, which I don't think they'll tell us. However, we know when you think about even, we just talked about book banning. We know most people think teachers are underpaid and our class sizes are too big. That's an actual issue we currently have in school districts across the country. But that's an actual issue that Republicans do not want to fix. They do not want to actually fund our schools and fund our teachers. So what they can do is distract us. Let's talk about the book, My Shadow is Purple, and see what everybody thinks about it so that we can ignore the fact that we all want to pay our teachers more. So a lot of it is one distraction. And two, just to see on the off chance that they actually win something, if we're not paying attention, like there's an off chance issue one could have gone the other way. If not enough people showed up, despite most Ohioans disagreeing with issue one, there's a chance they get their way. They will likely get their way just by chance sometimes if we're not paying attention. And let's face it, they're counting on us all being busy and not paying attention. The abortion debate seems like its own special case, though, because it is so infused with the, the 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 language, the apocalyptic language of of religion, and the idea that uh, that one side is doing God's work and the other side is doing the devil's work. And when it's framed that way, especially by the right, it doesn't leave any room for compromise. If abortion in their minds is is murder. There really isn't a line you can draw that respects the rights of women um, that, you know, that accommodates your religious belief. And I worry that extremism framed that way, there's no way to walk it back. No, I mean, this is really in their playbook is they will position every issue as this very black and white. It's either murder or it's not, right? And if you think it's murder, then you're with them and it should be banned in all cases. But the problem is with real people and real bodies and real humans, nothing is ever that black and white. We know that women who are pregnant have a likelihood of dying 
just because they're pregnant. And as it turns out, women don't really want to die in pregnancy. This is not something we want. We think we also have a right to life. And then this is where it really gets sticky for them. Where's my right to life? Where's my right to live and be a mother for the kids that I currently have who also deserve a mother? Right. And so when we start to talk about all the nuances that can happen with a pregnancy and you open up any pregnancy book, those things are huge. Right. They are fat books of all the things that can possibly go wrong at any point in time in your pregnancy. Abortion is one way that we make sure women can live. And that's a hard one for them to deal with. And abortion is also a way that we can do things like when we talk about fetal viability. Right. Should this baby be born and die an extremely torturous death? Maybe that's a parent's choice. Maybe that's a parent's choice they make with their doctor and something legislators shouldn't choose. And we know most parents and most people, when you start to talk about all these nuances that represent reality, a 10-year-old getting pregnant in Ohio, right, because of rape. When you start to talk about all of these nuances, suddenly it's not a black and white issue. And this is why most Americans aren't with them, because we know we have enough experience to know it's not a black and white issue. And that framing it as a black and white issue makes it very extreme. And that extremism just doesn't represent reality. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've got a quick break here, but I need a favor first. Shows like this depend on your support. Please, if you can spare five seconds, click the link to the podcast version of the show below and leave us a five-star review. It really does help. Thanks. Are the stories that we are hearing now, the, the, the heartbreaking accounts of women being forced to carry a non-viable fetus to term or preteens being forced to, to, to carry um, a rapist child to, to term, are they, how are they having an effect on, on this debate? Do you see even some of the, the hardcore pro-lifers beginning to waver when confronted with the reality of the human cost of their policies? I know I do. When I talk to a lot of pro-lifers now, what I hear them is say, well, I understand an exception for the life of the mother, right? Because I, I've heard the story about the woman who filled diapers full of blood, right? And then they get that exception, right? So most pro-lifers now do agree with some type of exception for the life of the mother, for example. Here's a problem with that in reality, right? What does that do in practice when we say, all right, if the mother's life is in danger, how do we legislate that? Who decides if the mother's life is in danger? Because it's not the mother, it's not the woman. It is an actual death panel, which I think is ironic because Republicans complain about death panels forever, but then it turns out they actually would like to create a death panel. It typically is a room full of lawyers in a hospital that decide whether or not that woman's life is worth saving, whether or not she's close enough to death to actually save her life. And it turns out that that death panel of lawyers doesn't often agree with the woman who says, please save my life now. What's up next in Ohio? Issue one was just the first hill we had to get over. The, the fight's not over yet, right? Absolutely not. They have said very clearly they're going to continue doing things like this. The legislation will continue doing things like this. And the legislation can do this because they have written into the maps basically a supermajority. Republicans are a majority in Ohio, but they're not a supermajority. So we already know that what that supermajority does is one, there's a lot of Republicans out there who don't have a competitive race at all because of how their district is drawn. 
which means they've never actually had to compromise and talk to people and really work things out. They can be extremists and still get elected. So we're going to continue to see extremism in legislatures as long as gerrymandering is an issue in Ohio, which we are also talking about getting fair maps and doing what we can as citizens to get fair maps. But really, a lot of this comes out of gerrymandering and how we draw maps, which gets really exceedingly boring very fast once you start to talk about compact sets and how we draw these maps. But it's the nuts and bolts of democracy. If we have Absolutely. learned anything since the last census is that those who take their eye off the ball are going to be disenfranchised. A hundred percent. And then what we see, it has real impacts and they're not going to use democracy. They're not going to use the majority of the people to get what they want. They already know they don't have a majority of the people, right? So they're going to use how they draw their districts. They're going to try and sneak things through to change how our democracy works to limit what the majority can do. They're going to use our court system and the Supreme Court to get what they want to really take the will of the majority out of the equation, right? So you even see here in Ohio, we saw Columbus wanted things like safe storage laws, which 80% of Americans agree with safe storage laws for guns, right? This should be a no brainer, right? But what you see is then you see the attorney general, Dave Yost, then going in there saying, nope, I don't want safe storage laws. Right. I know that you voted for this, that you wanted safe storage laws, that you wanted to make sure that like a two year old couldn't get their parents guns. I don't agree with that. So I'm going to try and do what I can to block what that county, what that place wanted to do when it came to things like safe storage laws. And we're going to see time and time again, this is what they're going to do. They're going to change the rules. They're going to use a court system when it favors them to really reduce the will of the majority and to chip away at our democracy at every level of government. Last question. It might not be a question, more of an observation, but I want your reaction. We hear time and time again of these puritanical Republicans being exposed because life is complicated and they have, you know, their own issues in their in their lives, paying for a mistress's abortion or having a All close family member speak at. I mean, was it Dave Yost, whose um, son and daughter in law spoke out um, our, our attorney general? Mm hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. So to be clear. Um, it is, I would say, well known, especially within some political circles, that when Republicans, most Republicans say that they are against abortions, they're against abortions for other people, right? They have no problem if their mistress needs an abortion. And to be clear, wealthier Americans will find a way to get that abortion if it is for their 10-year-old or if it is for their wife. They will have the money to fly them wherever they need to fly, right? So, what they're trying to do is take away things from other people really to make a cultural point to try and show and give them, you know, like, I don't know, a merit badge for extremism or something. Yeah. Well, Amanda, as always, great talking to you. Appreciate the insights. I'm glad to have you back safe and sound. Let's uh, let's get back to our weekly schedule. Thanks, Ken. Great to talk with you.